After a summer vacation in John, we are finally back to Mark. Woo! <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> we jump back into Mark on the tales of a conversation we had last week. Last week, we talked about how possessions, how the stuff we own in the material world don't mean much at all when compared with life, with health, with our relationships, and with our connection to the divine. This week, Jesus refines that point by saying there is nothing outside a person that can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. At first glance, we might be tempted to think that Jesus is saying that the Levitical codes of cleanliness don't matter. That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying three things. Number one, religious folks add rules that distract us from God. It's sad, but it's true. It happens. We know it. Number two, our intentions matter. Our intentions matter. Number three, keep your sights on God. Let's take a look at that first concept, which is summed up in Jesus' statement, you abandon the commandment of God to hold to human tradition. On top of the commandments detailed in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the scribes and Pharisees had developed an oral tradition of religious best practices. It was an oral tradition, the practice, the common way. These were ways that devout religious folks could make doubly sure that they were not partaking in anything that might contaminate them, might make them unclean before God. If you want to read a lot about this, you should check out Ched Meyer's book, Binding the Strongman. I've talked about it before. It is a political commentary on Mark, but it has a great history of this oral tradition and the sorts of things that people did. I'm going to give you a little taste of things that they did. One of the things that folks did in this oral tradition, the Pharisees and the scribes might sprinkle water on food that they bought at the market. Just in case, just in case the farmer had worked on the Sabbath or did not properly tithe from the first fruits of the harvest. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say this? Okay, so these are people that are just double-checking to make sure the farmers had not messed up. Those are the kinds of things that were going on. These practices, these superstitions, had nothing to do with hygiene. They had nothing to do with hygiene. They were measures to preserve religious piety. And they were additions 
to the commandments in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Did you catch from the reading that Kathy said today, did you catch the, the one line that said, keep the commandments of the Lord your God. You must neither add anything nor take anything away from it. The Pharisees accidentally, with the best of intentions, as my friend Jimmy Barts likes to say, added to the law with their oral traditions and were holding others to their new rules. This is not uncommon, right? I remember when I first started playing jazz, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. We just like improvise and kind of do whatever we want, right? We're going to feel our way into this music. And I realized that jazz players are really strict about their rules. Over time, jazz has become something that uh, it's, it's people love that they're like into legalism and have like latched onto this things you should do when you're playing jazz, right? Guess, did you guys see Whiplash? Do you remember that, that movie, Whiplash, with the drumming? And the guy was just going nuts, and the, the teacher was abusive. It was, it's like that. It's like people would just get carried away with what might have started with a good thing. This week, the eyes of the nation and the popular press have been on John McCain. On Tuesday, I listened to back to the Fresh Air interview. There was a compilation they did. Did you get somebody to catch that? Um, one of the things that struck out, struck me about that interview, although there was a lot of stuff that gave me shivers, uh, one of the things I thought was beautiful in that interview was McCain talking about torture. Those of you who caught it know what I'm talking about, and some of you might remember this from the mid-90s. McCain, who had been a prisoner of war, was staunchly against U.S. tactics to, to discern, to acquire information through the practices of torture. He knew from his own experience that it did not work. He knew that even though it was intended to help, intended to be a practice that would protect the country, that it was not effective in doing that. I found that particularly poignant. In the process of building rules, people get hurt. People get hurt by rules on top of rules whose initial intention is to protect. Stop me if this begins to sound familiar in everything. To protect and to serve. We know that the police often end up with the, accidentally and with the best of intentions being very, very, very hurtful. There's a reason we have these signs at our windows. Black Lives Matter. At the same time, we also recognize recently in the news the religious sexual abuse. Another case where people who were made to protect, people whose role it is to care and to love, have ended up hurting.
often the very systems designed to protect people end up hurting people. Such was the case with the oral tradition of the Pharisees. Jesus exposes that hypocrisy. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says this whole bit about honor your mother and father. I love that he uses this strange word. That I don't even know. Maybe you guys skimmed over it, didn't, didn't notice, notice it come up. But he uses this strange word, korban. Like, what? What is, what is he talking about, korban? I love that it's in there because it's just, just an amazing reminder that this is not our context. This is, this is a context that we do not fully understand. Jesus uses a word that everybody there seems to understand, so he doesn't even have to explain it. So it's a good reminder that as we go into exegesis, we go with humility. But here's the point. People would go to the religious system, would, would give their life and trust it to the religious power system to the detriment of elderly mothers and fathers. This happens all the time still. Still people prey upon the elderly and take their finances away. It happens way too often. Jesus quells the paranoia, the, the whole cloud of fear that has enveloped the people around this oral tradition. He, he stops the fear of, oh no, what if I've done something wrong? He called to the crowd and said to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. When I was in third grade, there were every once in a while we'd have a whole class wide, like, uh, PE session. Like the whole, all third grade was out on for PE all together, and it would last, I don't know, like an hour, right? And we'd be out on this field, and we'd just play, be all playing around, and sometimes there were games involved, sometimes it was just, you'd just go off and do things. One time, one time, the strange game of tag ensued in the middle of this kind of free play PE time. The tag game was like this. Whoever started to tag, whoever tagged another person, that person got, quote, (laughs) cooties, right? You guys remember cooties? Okay. Everybody was going around tagging everybody else, and the whole class, this is, I I don't know, whatever, 200 people, uh, you know, are out on this, on this, lawn on this big field all playing this game and so they're all everybody's caught up in it and it got really really heated so heated that uh kids started crying and and the teachers had to come out and get everybody what i didn't know as a little guy i didn't understand why the teachers were coming and getting everybody but they came and they circled us all around and they they sat us down in the middle of this field and, and, and told us we were never to play a game like that again because, because here we are in the mid-80s 
And in the midst of that cooties game, it somehow transformed that kids started calling it AIDS. If you got tagged, you had AIDS. It got very serious, very quickly. The kids that were playing it became terrified. Just as their parents, just as the nation around them were terrified. Nobody understood how this disease was being spread. Everybody was afraid. There was a paranoia of infection. As human beings, that paranoia comes naturally to us. It is part of our DNA, part of our survival tactic, the fight or flight response that we talk about all the time. Which is why we need someone to tell us when the danger has passed, to be able to identify the danger. Someone who can speak truth to power by reminding us that we are okay. Jesus is the doctor who embraces the AIDS patient at the height of paranoia. Jesus knows what matters. Jesus diagnoses diagnoses the heart of this. And what matters is love. That is the heart of the law, the commandment that of God over human tradition that Jesus brings us back to. A few chapters after this statement we read from Deuteronomy, we have one of, one of the passages that Jesus quotes as the most important, as the primary passage. It's the passage we call the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ehad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, and all your might. That is what matters. You shall love. You shall love God and neighbor. Do not let anything get in the way of that. Not politics, not race, not infection, not cleanliness. Love God. Let that love fill your heart. Let that love spill out of your heart and let it guide you. Because what is inside us, what is in our hearts, guides us. And sometimes what is inside us leads us to do things that are less than our best. This week I watched the, the film on, on Mr. Rogers. Won't you be my neighbor? Did you guys watch that? Have you seen it? Gosh, I loved it. I thought it was so so incredible. One of the great things that toward the end of the film, the, one of the lines that, that uh, Mr. Rogers brings out is this line, be true to the best within you. And I think that's exactly the way he lived. You know, he, there's, this, there's this bit about how he always tried to keep his weight 143 pounds because he loved the number 143, I love you. That was like Mr. Rogers' big thing. But he loved that. Be true to the best within you. He also said, 
the greatest thing that we can do is to let someone know that they are loved and capable of loving. Loved and capable of loving because love is infectious. More, the more we share the love that we have, the more others share their love. Through that outpouring of love, the world changes. There's something that Mr. Rogers would do whenever he had graduation speeches, things like that. He would, and this is toward the end of this film. He, he asked people to spend a minute thinking of someone who made them feel loved and capable of loving which is exactly what we are going to do right now. We are going to take one minute and think of someone who made you feel loved and capable of loving.